Hey guys, Charlie here, just reminding you that Osher and I are back with Dad Pod. That's right, season two of Dad Pod, now with facts. Starts this week. Download or subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. How are you, Charlie? Are you relaxed? Well, no. I've been I've been thrown off, as has become tradition on the show. We normally comment on podcast Mike's attire, but he was very neutral, just a plain white t-shirt. Couldn't see any stitching or any design features that would enable us to make fun of him. Um, so I'm a bit flat. It's a flat start. Normally, that's the run-up we take to start the show. I've got to be honest with you. He's done it deliberately. There's no doubt in my mind that he's you know, not enjoy the last couple of weeks when we've commented on what he was wearing. And instead of bringing it up with us and saying, hey, guys, Mm. I don't think it's part of my role to be bullied uh, mercilessly for something that no one else can see just so you guys can still get some juice in the old fucking bones after 10 (laughs) years of rolling out this comedy conversation. (laughs) Like, that's well within his rights. And he's done it in such a nice way by just wearing... The most forgettable outfit of all times. If you offered me a million dollars right now, I could not tell you what podcast Mike was wearing before this podcast. Well, I'm going to attempt to make fun of him, even though he's tried to, to throw a spanner in the works. But well, explain to me he what he's wearing, because like, I, I, I literally he, have no memory of what he was wearing. He was invisible to me. He, he actually <laughs> managed, he was a floating head because he managed to don this cloak of impenetrable invisibility. Come work for Tofop. You'll be invisible to us. We'll barely acknowledge you. <laughs> so- uh, my take on it, having thought about it now, is that he's wearing a late 90s, early 2000 M&M style oversized white tee. In fact, if he throws his camera back on and we see that he's bleaching his hair in the sink, like Stan style, then I'll know oh, that's exactly the look he was going for. Yeah, it, it does have a real Stan look, I've got to say. Like it's like halfway through this podcast, there's just going to be the noise of somebody writing and it'll be like, Do Will and Charlie, I wrote you a fax, but you never responded. <laughs> um, I'm tired, man. I've, uh, I've been up since about 3 a.m. Had an action-packed uh, night last night. The 3 a.m. onwards was mainly all baby stuff, but um, I... Uh, I, I played sheriff again last night in the neighborhood, but like uh, sheriff of a, a serious, like an acknowledged crime, not an imagined crime like I normally get myself involved in. Well, maybe all these imaginary crimes have been training for when you had to intercede at, with a real crime. I mean, I, I would have thought you were like four plus years of playing a cop on a TV show might have given you some share of skills, but it turns out that you'd need to do some practice runs on some rowdy teenagers. Well, it gave me some cop skills. I'm just one of those corrupt cops that doesn't actually do any work and uses his power to pick on the wrong people. So I did pick up. Yeah, I think I've you've, pretty much... You've just been on a stakeout. You've been on an unofficial stakeout of neighbourhood teens for months now. Defund Charlie. Hashtag defund Charlie. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, well, this uh, podcast might as well be called Defund Charlie <laughs> and take Will down as well. Uh, no, I was uh, across the road. We've got a convenience store nearby, which is very handy. It's open late. Mm. And I've got a really good relationship with the uh, the two owners, Michelle and Phil, and uh, sometimes their nephew, their young, like his 20-year-old nephew works on a Sunday. So last night I went across to grab a few things and the convenience store is uh, sits next to a backpackers. And as you know, Will, backpackers uh, uh, hives of scum and villainy. Okay, so you don't like teenagers, but you also don't like people who are out of their teens probably and are now living some lifestyle, traveling the world, experiencing new things, broadening mm. their minds, mm. meeting new people, having no. the most adventurous and fun times of their life. They're people you stare down your nose at, are they? No, you're thinking of the kind of backpackers up where you live. The kind of backpackers we get <laughs> are people who only live probably like an hour's drive away. But they know that they can come. There's a pub right on the beach. So they'll come for a Bucks weekend. They'll get absolutely fucking smashed. They'll hang out on the balcony and just like leer at girls walking up from the beach. It's that kind of backpackers. It's not your, hey, come find yourself. I think there should be a rule of backpackers. I want to put in an official law of backpackers that if you are someone who is not from another country, but you are staying at a backpackers, you need to choose which country you are from. You have to do a minimal amount of work on a backstory and you have to do the accent. <laughs> the entire, you can choose whichever country you want, but for the entire time there, you've got to oh, attempt the accent. I think that, but then like, where do you limit it? Do you have to stick to your kind of, your race? Like you can't have people going in in blackface or doing like offensive impersonations of other countries, can you? We strongly <laughs> recommend against it. <laughs> Defund TOEFOP. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, so you get all kinds of uh, clientele at that place. So when I went in last night, uh-huh. the young, shy, dorky nephew who looks a bit like, uh, he's like, uh, have you seen any Succession yet? Do you know, have you seen the first series at least? Yeah, I've seen I, both series now. Uh, Greg. He's like, a, he's like a Chinese Greg. He's a tall, kind of gangly, young Chinese guy. Really lovely, but very shy. Anyway, I go in and there's a dude... Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> he has a sleeve tat, uh, muscle bound, wearing his Von Dutch singlet and his board shorts. And how do I describe this? His jaw was moving in a way <laughs> which suggested to me that perhaps he may have ingested something uh, which sort of upped his heart rate and caused his muscles to twitch spasmodically. And maybe he'd been doing that all night because this was like nine, like almost 9 p.m. on a Sunday. Well, you know what this says to me, Charlie? All that undercover work you were doing in the <laughs> 2000s has paid off as well. I've been undercover, deep undercover for 20 years. <laughs> You're just one of those guys. There's always that story of that cop who has to go so deep undercover and they end up enjoying the undercover lifestyle. It would be such a great reveal. <laughs> If this entire time, like you've been put in by the cops to bring me down yeah. and you've had to like infiltrate me through, like they're not that concerned about me. They just think at some stage I'm likely to snap and do something. So they need somebody to infiltrate my world and just be there to push me in the right direction <laughs> when I'm about to spill the beans. I'm Johnny Utah to your Bodie. Yes. So I absolutely. come in. I can't. Ab- I come in this square, like this, you know, really studious kind of square. I got the, you know, I'm high ranking uh, 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 graduate from my academy. 
but they send me, there's a dark underbelly of comedy that's growing in Sydney. There's all these comedians yeah. getting about. <laughs> there is. I mean, it was... There definitely and is. Well, there was, you really overlooked a whole bunch of things. It turns out. Well, wasn't like, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the late 90s the era of the millionaire Australian comedian? All of a sudden, there was a comedy explosion and guys like you and Husey had like multiple media jobs and suddenly you were like big stars, right? So I... Rec- so yeah, look at you just like, you know, QAnon style... <laughs> Just listening to what Lawrence Mooney said on one documentary about comedy on the ABC. Fucking Lawrence Mooney, the moon man, who went on that fucking comedy documentary and and termed it. That's where it came from. Termed it. The age of the millionaire Is comedians. that not true? And he said, Carl Barron, Dave Hughes and Will Anderson. Like, just said it on TV and they played it on the ABC. Is it not true? I mean, I guess I was doing fine. <laughs> Yes, it was a time where, like, yes, where stand-up itself and being a stand-up comedian after years of hard work and some breakout stars along the way became something that, yes, was a full-time career for people and now is clearly a full-time career for people. So it makes sense that you would catch the attention of, like, the Australian Federal Police. It's like, these guys are doing... Yeah. We used to see Shane Bourne and Maury Field doing this on Hey Hey, It's Saturday. Mm. I get it. But suddenly these guys are riding high. We're sus- we suspect there is something untoward happening under the surface. Yeah, there's got to be something yeah. nefarious going on. There's no way these guys, these talentless <laughs> losers, could be making this much money by telling their fucking stupid jokes to people. There's got to be something criminal Otherwise, going on. Otherwise, Shane Bourne and Maury Field would also be millionaires. Right. <laughs> we- I guess, that, like, when you put it like that, it does make a lot of sense. <laughs> right. And we- so you've been deep... You've been deep undercover, constantly overlooking crimes that you've witnessed and taken part in over the years because you're so deep in. But I love the idea. How often, if you were deep undercover in the comedy community, how often do you think you would have to be reporting back into, like if you're deep undercover in like a bikey gang or whatever, how often are you contacting back in with the police? I think it's uh, dependent on when you have something to report, right? It's too risky for you to have a schedule that you have to report. I think they would say, you know, we're looking to nail him on this. So when you think you have a lead or evidence of that or a tip off where they're going to be or if there's going to be like a meetup, that's when they'd contact me. So they'd send me in to say, we think these comedians are up to something nefarious. So if you get wind of a meetup, like between the the four families of comedy, the Anderson family, the Hughes family, the uh, Barron family, who was the other who's the other millionaire that Lawrence mentioned? Uh, I don't know. Adam Hills. Maybe? Well, I said the Mooney, oh, the Hills. Okay, the Hills family. So the four of you come together to to cut up comedy in Sydney. You're going to divide it up the territories. Well, I like the idea that you're reporting and going, I think there's going to be a gathering of the top names in comedy. And they're like, yes, Charlie, it's the Melbourne Comedy Festival. It happens in (laughs) April every year. And then there's another one in Sydney. Yes, Charlie, that's the Sydney Comedy Festival. You're never going to believe what's happening in Edinburgh. Well, Charlie. (laughs) Well, if we're going to take the point break analogy, I think it's got to be more that you you guys are doing something. But what I discover is it's in the pursuit of something greater than the crime. The crime is funding a larger ideal, a belief that the world is inherently silly and should be made fun of. And so you're using the uh, your ill-gotten gains to, uh, I don't know, like how do you further comedy with ill-gotten gains? Well, what I would say about like the dudes in Point Break, they were living a life that was outside, you know, the law a little, outside, um, you know, general society conventions of how it is that you look at life and lead your life. And that was a bit of a philosophy. I do think that there is something about that is resonant 
with that with the stand up comedy community. There is a sense of running away and joining the circus. Right. Okay. So you have to come undercover, but I, but to make it make sense, Point Break style, it's got to be yeah. podcasting, right? Because this is where <laughs> you've really Pod infiltrated. Break. What did I say? Nice. I'm saying it's. We should call it Pod Break. Oh, pod Break. The film's called Pod Break. <laughs> I mean, as we discussed this, you have an awesome James Fosdyke original uh, Point Break poster, a Mondo-style poster over your shoulder. I mean, let's just do Pod Break and swap in our faces, my face for Keanu's and yours for uh, for, for Patrick Swayze. There you go, Foz. <laughs> Job done. And as you constantly bring up in this podcast, I am the one who dies first. <laughs> one of your most familiar things, well, and it really cuts me no, every time. There's no, we don't know that Bodhi died. Oh, he yeah. goes out into the 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 what is it, the fifty year storm, hundred year storm, but we don't see his body. Which is when they did that uh, reboot or sequel or whatever. It was like, oh no, he was dead when they made that, wasn't he? Patrick okay, died uh, let, okay, let me say this then. You've come yeah. to infiltrate the water podcasting because podcasting does make sense yeah. to me that it's like. There is a slightly criminal element about it. We're saying things that we shouldn't be legally allowed to say. We're doing things that we shouldn't legally be able to do. Like the people who follow it, like often contribute on Patreon. Like to somebody who looks externally to that, they're going, that's a scam, right? We're fleecing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, we're, we're just having, it's not even a real radio show. We've set up a fake radio show, unregulated, pirate fucking radio. Yeah. And then we're fleecing these innocent innocent people who think they're listening to actual entertainment and we're taking their life yeah. savings away from them through Redbubble and our Patreon page. I love that they have to present their pa- their their case to the chief prose- prosecutor to get like, you know, warrants to tap the phone and to send me in and everything. Mm. And it's like, come on, guys, like, what are you talking about? And they go, just listen. <laughs> just press play from one, like five minutes from one of our... First 80 episodes, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, take them down. <laughs> take these guys down. I don't know what they're talking about, but take them down. Well, but also, it's not like you would be witness to too many conversations that we don't talk about on the podcast <laughs> anyway. So you would have the best quality. Like these, yeah, our audio isn't great quality for like a radio <laughs> show, but for police informant tapes, this is pretty good quality audio. It'd be pleasant to listen to. Look at the way he incriminated himself in the first five minutes of this show. And look at this one. They talked about the big day out. Like there's three or four crimes that he just says. <laughs> they published it. We don't even need to get a warrant. Uh, so um, back to the story. So the guy, muscle bound, sleeve tattoo, mm-hmm. tense jaw, obviously. Uh, I would say been hitting some kind of amphetamines overnight. And he's buying a pack of cigarettes. And I'm sort of getting some stuff from the fridge and I hear Greg from behind the counter yell and the guy's taken off with the cigarettes. And so Greg chases after him and I sort of follow him out and sort of grabs him just as he's about to sort of slip back into the, the backpacker's security door. So once he's in, you can't get to him. And he's holding onto the guy's arm and he's like, you didn't pay, you didn't pay. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm getting my wallet. I'm going to get my wallet. And Greg's like, no, fa-. and so they have this wrestle and uh, the, guy, uh, the guy breaks off and Greg stumbles out and I'm like, just, I said, just call the cops. Like, I'll wait with you. Just call the cops. Like, that's the easiest thing because he's getting all stressed out. And it's like, oh, no, I've got to call the owner who's my aunt. And she gets really angry when this because ha- this happens more often than you think. I was like, it's cool. But he's, but also he's inside yeah. now. Like, surely he's trapped inside a place he can't well, escape from now. So call the fucking cops. And- yeah. So we're having this conversation on the footpath, sort of walking back into his convenience store. And then the dude comes back out. And so I see Greg and I say, I said, I said to the guy, hey man, I said, you got to pay for those cigarettes. And he's like, fucking no. And I was like, 
Well, if you knew, then why did you take off? He, you heard him say stop and you still went inside. You should pay for the cigarettes. He's like, I'm going to pay for the cigarettes. And so he goes up with his bank card and Greg gets the FPOS machine ready and he taps it and then takes off. Like doesn't wait for it to beep to say it's approved. Like, you know, thinks he's going to pull that one. And it kind of beeps again. And I'm like, hey, dude, dude, dude. I said, don't, I said, hey, don't walk out with that guy's suit. Just put the cigarettes back. And so he's getting all like, uh, he wasn't getting aggro, but he was, he was, so high that he was like just discombobulated. Like he was sort of, he wasn't making much sense. He didn't know whether he was going to stay or go. He'd forgotten what lie he'd told. He then accused me of lying. Like it was just one of those kind of, it wasn't a threatening conversation. It was just a nonsensical conversation. And then he sort of pushed past me and went back into the thing and shut the door. And so I said to Greg, and Greg got really kind of upset because he's like, fuck, like, you know, it happens all the time. And then, and so I stayed with him while he called his aunt and sort of coached him Cyrano style. <laughs> like, it was just like, you know, it happened really fast. And, you know, you, you tried to stop the guy and you, you're going to call the police, blah, blah, blah. So finally, um, I get him to call the police. He's on the phone to the police. And then the guy comes back. And I'm like, I hope you've got the money. And he's gone, I said I did, didn't I? And he had put money on his card, charged up, paid for the cigarettes and walked out. And I was like... Did I just jump the gun? Did, we, did Greg and I both jump the gun? Because the guy was protesting his innocence the whole time to say, I'm going to get the money. I'm going to get the money. So he could have tried, like he could have, the first one, I think it could have been just, a, I'm high and I've forgotten to pay. And he stopped. Okay, I'm going to get my wallet. Then he gets his wallet and it doesn't work. And then he's come back the third time to pay. I mean, do you think that's what happened or he was scared of the, us calling the police? He was scared of you calling the police. There is no fucking way that, <laughs> that you are giving him the benefit of the doubt in a way that he does not deserve. If you're going back to get your wallet, leave the fucking cigarettes. The cigarettes will be there when you get back. If you're so high that you can't work that out, then people are justified in thinking that you're stealing something, right? Uh, Secondly, okay. when he got his wallet and came back and paid, he tried to fucking take off again. He, he tried to... Pulled, he goes, this this worked the first time. I'm going to do it a fucking second time. In your face, motherfuckers. He's probably said to his friends in the backpackers, watch this. I'm going to FaceTime the funniest thing ever. I'm going to go over as if I'm going to pay. In fact, I'm going to get another packet of cigarettes and then I'm going to fucking bolt again. And they're going to fall for it twice in a row. Yeah, he... Uh, I actually... Because I was expecting a, like an argument and I was prepared to kind of like get more angry at him. But then... When he paid, it was like, it was this real anti-climax. And then we're just all awkward. Well, I didn't even need to stay stay around, but I sort of felt like I better see this through. So I sort of like hung out, lingered at the back of the store while this transaction went through and he walked off his cigarettes. And him and Greg kind of like, you know, you know, didn't shake hands, but metaphorically shook hands. And, you know, and that was it. So it was so strange because I was like, I'd really gotten on this like, oh, here's a little adventure for a Sunday night. And then it was like, oh, no, it's over. He did the right thing. Bummer. But that is a good adventure. Yeah, like, I suppose. You it's guys happy ending. Solved a crime. Like his auntie didn't get married at him. Like you know, like you did. You literally this, this if the cops could get shit done this quick, people wouldn't want to defund them, Charlie. You have identified a crime. You have pursued the person who's committed the crime, and you've convinced the person through a process of negotiation to come back inside and pay for the cigarettes, and then everything is fine. <laughs> The cigarettes have been paid for. He has his cigarettes. Everything is fine in the world. I convinced him through passive-aggressive nagging. <laughs> that was my that was my takedown approach. Was like you Maybe should pay. You know we you need should more pay. cops doing that. Passive-aggressive nagging. We're just passive-aggressive <laughs> nagging. 
maybe we're going about it the wrong way. That sort of show of brute strength, you know, isn't comforting people, but maybe we just need some passive-aggressive nagging. Or sarcasm. I reckon cops... I mean, I think if, if, if a cop like treated you with sarcasm rather than writing a fine, the humiliation would be so bad. Like, you know, he catches you on your mobile phone, you pull up at the lights, he taps on the window, yeah. and you're like... Oh no! I was just uh, I was just uh, changing the music or something. He's like, "Oh, you're just changing the music, were you? Yeah. What sort of music do you like to listen to when you oh, go look for at a drive? You I'm on my phone. I'm not on my phone. You think I'm an idiot? <laughs> like, all right. How about this song? Bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Well, you've got a special relationship with the police now. You guys yeah, are well, I'm, for life. I'm starting to think that you fucking tip me off <laughs> like that's what i'm yeah. thinking you i told you i had a bad back and you're like he's getting on a plane to wagga wagga call the fucking cops make sure six of them to get him when he gets off yeah see i got confused i thought you said you had some bad crack and so i was like oh we got him fellas <laughs> we got him he's got a bag full of bad crack <laughs> the only crack they heard was your back as they dragged you off the plane <laughs> it helped a little to be honest i walked a little better that night <laughs> Nothing like a bit of police brutality to kind of limber up the old spine. Really, I mean, i got to be honest, I'm against police brutality, but fuck, I had a spring in my step at the show. <laughs> well, that's, that's what they should do is like, we, we have very sensitive chiropractors who listen to this show, like emotionally sensitive, because we uh, decided a while back that we weren't going to classify them as doctors and they took it very harshly. But I think the way out of that is if chiropractors and the police teamed up, so rather than like learning painful wrist grips and you know pressure ne- pressure neck pressure point stuff, they <laughs> oh, actually yeah, just right. yeah like they turn up to kind of like Antifa protests or you know global uh, uh, anti five G protests and they just they just adjust and align the crowd into submission because think about it yeah. you're fired up a dude comes up grabs your hips gives it a little <laughs> and suddenly like you can walk taller you'd be like all right cool man I think five G probably isn't a conspiracy um you know what I'll take it a step further. Like instead of mace, you know, maybe just shoot like, you know, that sort of Evian spray water <laughs> that people will yeah. spray on their face for refreshment. Just, yeah, the crowd's a bit hot out there. Get the Evian. I had a, I don't know if we told this story, but I remember seeing a chiropractor um, when I was a teenager, I had a back issue and I've got a slight bit of scoliosis. And so I used to get like, my back would get really sore, my lower back and nothing really worked. Mum took me to see this uh he was an adolescent back specialist and he this doctor must have been 90 must have been 90 something he was so fucking old like kind of old that you expect he was going to prescribe something like leeches or something like just old tweed jacket and he sort of examined my back and said well you're gonna have to put the boy in a back brace for six months and so i had to get the because he went to fucking medical school in 1910 yeah totally so i literally had to get this kind of like a fiberglass your boy has rickets (laughs) it was this fiberglass kind of corset with two metal poles that ran at my back and that was meant to kind of like straighten my spine (laughs) Like I've got scoliosis. No. It's meant to straighten my spine so I can, you know, uh, uh, my, my leg's not shorter than the other one or whatever it was. But it, after six months, it didn't do anything. And then I saw this chiropractor and he did this shit with magnets. Have you ever had that done with magnets? <laughs> Fucking hell, the inc- insane clown posses here. It's all magnets. <laughs> yeah. He got out some magnets. Now, what I'm imagining is those magnets you would see on the Curiosity Show where it's a big horseshoe shape. And then he, like he's using that on your back. Is it that sort of magnet? No, it's more the the one the kind you get from the plumber. 
uh, after he's been around, you get a couple of, like just like square, like a soft, soft plastic magnets. <laughs> no, I think from memory they were like little, little weights. Uh, Podcast Mike, can you just look up if I'm completely imagining this, or do some chiropractors use magnets in their uh, in their treatment? Um, no, I- they definitely use magnets. There's like there's a magnet blanket or magnet bed or some sort of you know for people who have bad backs, something to do with magnets. Well, whatever it was, it worked. I did like... Th- I was never attracted to it. <laughs> Magnets, anyway. Come on, guys. Uh, okay, so here we go. Uh, Mike's just given us a link. Magnets Orthotics. An encouraging treatment option available to chiropractors is the use of magnetic orthotics. This product offers a dual benefit, the therapeutic advantages of magnets combined with the undisputed and clinically proven biochemical principles of postural support offered made by custom-made orthotic inserts. Keep in mind, however, that magnet orthotics are contradicted if your patient is pregnant, wears a pacemaker, or an electrical implant of any kind. Mike, can you just Google why do magnets work? <laughs> I mean, not why do magnets work, oh. but in, chi- in relation to chiropractory, chiropractice. What, what do you say? Chiro- chiropracticism. So, okay. So tell, give me more of actually what happened. What's your memory oh, of man. the magnets? Not a clear one. Um, he put a cloth over my nose and mouth. <laughs> Chlorophyll. <laughs> and then I woke up seven hours later. I was naked. I would, so dressed like a clown. <laughs> With slut scrawled across my chest. Uh, hang on. So he says, uh, chiropractic is non-invasive therapy like magnets that utilizes the body's ability to use its own natural recuperative power. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't explain what's it doing. Is the are they are, is the magnetic? I don't think I don't I don't think there is any oh, it's explanation. Yeah, right. It's, okay, thank it, you. That's that. that's why podcast might can't find. Any information about how magnets fix your back because, Charlie, magnets don't fix your back. Okay, my memory of it was that uh, it was related to my hamstring and like the vertebrae on my back. My memory of it was that he ran the magnet up and down my hamstring and then on the different... So while he's doing this, like I am in kind of like different... Uh, you know, I got my hips rolled to the side and he was moving it up each of my vertebrae and then after like three treatments it worked i had no pain i could move freely the scoliosis was still there but the 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 muscle pain was no longer there which it's almost as if it just went away naturally in the same time as it took you three fucking dodgy magnet treatments or it might have been the manipulation because he was manipulating yeah, my spine the emotional too. and financial manipulation <laughs> of this charlatan <laughs> with his fucking magic magnets i didn't i didn't realize that um Right, so chiropractory has no respect. Is is that is that what we're learning from this, or just chiropractors who use magnets? Are we going to get lots of angry letters from non-doctors? Well, there'll be a whole bunch of people going, "This is why magnets fucking work," and we will get to those letters in six months. And so I look forward to finding out why they work then. But it's one of those things that, yeah, to me, feels like mumbo jumbo. It feels like there will be some people who, you know, one hundred percent believe in the power of the changing the body's electromagnetic field or whatever it is but i think that for most Mm. people it's mumbo jumbo yeah it is that it is one of those things like you mentioned icp before and although people mock their lyrics magnets how do they fucking magnets how do they work i mean (laughs) because it was funny you should bring it up i I actually listened to to that song miracles about a week ago because i just it just cheers me up it just makes me laugh so much and then I, i i really sort of thought about it and i was like 
But I couldn't tell you how a magnet works. Like, here I am mocking <laughs> and saying clown posse, fucking magnets, how do they work? And it's like... And the best bit of, of that song, and it's quite pre prescient for these times, is he's gone, and I don't want to talk to a fucking scientist. You all motherfuckers lying and getting me pissed. <laughs> so it's like, they're total... In fact, podcast, Mike, can you bring up the lyrics to uh, Miracles by Insane Clown Posse? I feel like we should examine this a bit further. Because the problem with that people had with um, the Insane Clown Posse not understanding how ma magnets work was, <laughs> isn't the song about, like, God or something? Isn't the premise it's that they're trying to put forward is, like, focused. yeah, it's there's a God, and the reason that you like you know know that mm. there is a god is like magnets work and we don't know how they work no it's more that uh, it, it's it's very unfocused they start off talking about like things you can't explain but then there's also things like birds and your, your kid and it's like well <laughs> that's not as conf hard to explain as magnets like magnets require some kind of like scientific uh you know understanding whereas <laughs> what a bird is it's like well it evolved from you know a single celled organism like every all that. anyway okay. we, we ran out of things we didn't understand we definitely don't understand <laughs> magnets but birds we're a bit iffy on birds and we've got a third verse we've got to get to okay so this is the lyrics <clears throat> we got a theory you see mike we got a theory about magic and miracles that's right that's right and then the song begins if magic is all that we've ever known then it's easy to miss what's really going on. But I've seen miracles in every way, and I see miracles every day. Oceans spanning beyond my sight, and a million stars way above them at night. We don't have to be high to look at the sky, and know that's a miracle open wide. Do, hang on, wait, all right. So, so far, not so good. Because <laughs> the oceans and the stars aren't miracles. The oceans and the stars are things that you can explain how we got yeah. oceans and stars and what the stars are. So that, that has been explained. Yeah. Well, he continues in that vein. Look at the mountains, trees, the seven seas, even though we've just looked at the ocean. I know. <laughs> Look back <laughs> at the ocean. <laughs> Look at the mountains, the trees, then back at the fucking ocean. Okay, now this is where the song gets good. So... Look at the mountains, trees, and seven seas, and everything chilling underwater. Please. Hot lava, snow, rain, and fog. Long-necked giraffes peck cats and dogs. <laughs> like, all yeah. of those things can be explained. <laughs> Firstly, all of them can be explained. But secondly, what's your theme here? Can you just go back <laughs> over that a little bit more slowly? Okay. Look at the mountains trees the seven seas yeah and everything chilling underwater please okay i'm fine so far yep hot lava yep snow rain and fog so okay say. so the rhythm that they've set up there is hot lava snow two opposites right the hottest yep. thing and the coldest thing yep. and so then they go rain and fog mm. like rain and fog aren't opposites rain and fog often happen together yeah, I think it's more about uh, stuff that's very visible, right? Like, what other okay. weather conditions it would be visible? Rain, like what? There's rain. There's fog. There's hail, hail, <laughs> but doesn't rhyme with dog. That's the problem, Will. <laughs> Hot lava rhymes with snail. <laughs> well, you know what? You could easily swap those out, and it would not make a difference. Hot lava, snow, rain, and fog. Long neck giraffes, pets, cats, and dogs. So hot lava, uh, now, snow, pets, rain cats and, and hail, long-necked giraffes, pet cats and snails. 
Hot lava, snow, rain and fog, long neck, giraffes, pet cats and dogs. Sorry, pet cats yeah. and dogs. Singular. Okay, pet cats and dogs, not wild cats and dogs. No, pet cats Long neck giraffes is an yeah. interesting inclusion when you're going next to, <laughs> but, you know, pet, but, pet cats but, and dogs. But that to me, that is getting closer to what the theme of the song should be because that is an unusual... Uh, that's an unusual thing and I wouldn't be able to explain like, oh, how do they eat and, you know, why is their necks that long? It's, it's sort of straying a bit more into something that, like a cat and a dog is the most Isn't common it animal. Isn't food's up high? Isn't the, haven't they? Just All right, Brainiac. Was... <laughs> Back off, egghead. But no, you're right. We Like, you know, how cats it's a, and dogs it's... came to be pets and why they're domesticated. There are some mysteries there that need to be explored. I've seen, oh, now this is where they change gears. So that's all the kind of natural wonders. Mm. And I've seen 85,000 people all in one room together as equal. Now I'm assuming that's at the, uh, uh, what's the juggalathon called? The um, the gathering. The gathering. Yeah. I mean, that the fact that 85,000 people go to that thing uh, is the first. Podcast, Mike, can you see how many people go to a gathering? I don't think it's 85,000. I think he's maybe. So are they just talking about another gathering they went to? Did the insane I think he's talking about go to the, the when, AFL pl- preliminary yeah. final or <laughs> no, something? No, they went and saw you too at the MCG. <laughs> Oh, I, I saw 85,000 people all in one room together as equal. We were there to see you too. They were really good. <laughs> Those guys can come play in my hood. <laughs> 20,000 people at the Juggalo gathering. So yeah. so 85,000 must be at somebody else's show. Or like they went to the, <laughs> the Super Bowl or something. Pure magic is the birth of my kids. I've seen shit that'll shock your eyelids. Okay. What? You're just going to let... Uh, that'll shock your eyelids? I've seen shit yeah. that'll shock your eyelids? Well, are you seeing it or are you... How are they shocking you? Your eyelids are up and you're seeing it. They can't be down and getting shocked. I mean, now that you put it like that, you're, you're possibly <laughs> right. Maybe the thing is so powerful that they've seen that not only are your eyes shocked, but your eyelids <laughs> that are not even open are also shocked. <laughs> The sun and the moon and even Mars, the Milky Way and fucking shooting stars. Right? So all all factual, all exist, right? The sun and moon and even Mars, the Milky Way, fucking shooting stars, UFOs, (laughs) a river flows, plant a little seed and nature grows. Now, like if I was his English teacher, if I was Shaggy Two Dope's English teacher, I'd say, Shaggy, you're very good at uh, creating like a, a word picture. Especially when you did that thing about outer space. But what you need to work on is um, keeping uh, groupings. Like if you're going to talk about Milky Way, don't then throw in uh, a river flows. Like you talked about Mars, shooting stars, UFOs, and then a river flows. (laughs) Unless what you're saying is the search for water on Mars, in which case, very good, Shaggy 2 Dope, B+. (laughs) So, okay. Here's what I will say about Shaggy 2 Dope in this scenario. And even Mars is such a weird inclusion because are you not amazed by the existence of the other planets? Are you not aware of the existence of the other planets? Like, oh, yeah. why is Mars and, and and if you're amazed by the moon and the sun, of course you're amazed by Mars. Wait until you fucking find out about Saturn. It's got fucking rings around it. Your <laughs> mind is going to be blown. And there's one called Uranus. Yes, it sounds the same as Uranus. That's the name of a fucking planet. There are so many things you do not understand. 
Niagara Falls and the pyramids, yeah. everything you believed in as kids, mm. fucking rainbows after it rains. There's enough miracles here to blow your brains. I agree. I mean, if what they're saying is that life is in its essence quite miraculous from a flowing river to a beautiful rainbow that comes after the rain but not after the fog. Why is it? That would have been a better premise. Like there's rain and there's rainbows, but there's fog and there's no, no fog bows. Where are the fog bows? That's a mystery <laughs> that I want answered. Now, this is where he tells an oddly specific anecdote. So fucking rainbows after it rains. There's enough miracles here to blow your brains. I fed a fish to a pelican at Frisco Bay. It tried to eat my cell phone. He ran away. I mean, he's patting out. He's gone off topic. (laughs) But I'm fascinated. I want to know more about what happened in Frisco. That incident. So he was trying to take, was he trying to take a photo of the pelican? I mean, has anyone got to the bottom of this? Podcast Mike, can you look up what happened to, I think it's either Shaggy 2 Dope or Violent J, what happened to their phone in Frisco Bay with the Pelican? Can we get more info on that? Because it's a juicy morsel that he throws out there and then does not comment on it any further. If there is no um, uh, evidence on the internet of this, this is the next true crime podcast I want to see. I want to see some journalist dedicate eight episodes to finding out what happened in Frisco. Well, we just call Alexi and, and Cam James and tell them we've got a, a, a third uh, yeah. finding, finding Drago Finding Frisco, guys. We want to know. We want, by the end, you guys to find that fucking seagull and find out what happened. No, it was a pelican, wasn't it? A pelican. A pelican. Uh, and music is magic, pure and clean. You can feel it, hear it, but it can't be seen. I like that. I think that's getting more into what you're saying about, hey, man, looking around at like just general things. But music also... Sort of can, can you not see music? Like, I mean, MTV had an entire, you know, station dedicated to music videos. Aren't they part of the music in a music video? Like, I identify so many great songs with, like, the visuals oh, yeah. that also go with the songs. So sometimes you can see music. Also, if you take enough drugs, you can definitely see yeah. music. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. A synesthesia as well, as we've discussed on the show before. Um, then... Uh, Shaggy asks, are you a believer in miracles? Are you, Will? Um, by the way, you guys define miracle, yes, I guess. <laughs> like all the <laughs> things that you've talked about are things apart from UFOs that are real. <laughs> uh, Mike says, I can't find any context for that lyric anywhere. All right, well, we have a great idea for a podcast. <laughs> Maybe you'll make that a Patreon bonus. We go to... Get to the the next juggalo gathering when the world opens up again we yes. go undercover at a juggalo gathering with the sole <laughs> purpose of asking shaggy too dope or violent jay what fucking happened with the pelican and frisco <laughs> uh, so music is magic you can't even hold it and then uh, one of there's a call and response do you notice and recognize miracles it says there in the air are you a believer in miracles pure motherfucking magic right this shit will blow your motherfucking mind. Do you notice and recognize miracles? Okay, second verse. Music is a lot like love. It's all a feeling, and it fills the room from the floor to the... Uh, ground. Ceiling. <laughs> that is appealing. I, the ground that is appealing. I see miracles all around me. Stop and look around. It's astounding. Water, fire, air, and dirt fucking magnets how do they work and i don't want to talk to a scientist your motherfuckers lying and getting me pissed 
So, That's the 5G. You lyric. know what? I'm coming around to the lyrics of this song because if the point That's they so are trying fun. to make is that we don't notice things that are majestic every day, that you and I are a classic example of the idea that we've mocked the lyric magnets, how do they work, but then gone on to explain that we have no <laughs> idea how they fucking work. Like, And they are kind of miraculous if you think about it, that on this planet there's this like metals that attract or repel other metals depending on reasons that I can't certainly explain to you. That is a fucking miracle. And I haven't uh, noticed it. And you know what? When I look at a stream, I don't notice the running fucking water in the babbling fucking brook. And when was the last time I drove past a mountain today and I did not look up from where I was fucking going to stare at that beautiful fucking mountain. There are miracles every day. How the fuck do magnets work? <laughs> Solar eclipse and vicious weather. 15,000 juggalos together. All right, so that's okay. more of a gathering reference. So now they are actually suggesting that they just went to you two. Because yeah. they've acknowledged <laughs> in their own song that there was only 15,000 people at their gig. Yeah, when we had capacity for 25,000, it's a little disappointing, to be honest. Anyway, back to the song. <laughs> How good were you two, though? <laughs> and I love my mum for giving me this time on the planet, taking nothing for granted. I see a caterpillar turn into a butterfly. Miracles ain't nothing to lie. That's grammatically incorrect. <laughs> Miracles ain't nothing to lie. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't, does it? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And he had me on caterpillar and butterfly. It's such a good... Shaggy's... But couldn't he have just said... What could he have said instead? Uh, I see a caterpillar turn into a butterfly. Miracles, they make me cry. <laughs> Miracles make me so ask, beautiful. why? Do magnets work? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shaggy's little boys look just like Shaggy and my little boys look just like Daddy. Um, Saturday lucky. Night Live did a... <laughs> it'd, be, yeah. it'd be bad if Shaggy's little boys just look like Shaggy and my little boys look like Shaggy as well. I don't know what's going on. Well, well it sounds like you're in the writer's room for Saturday Night Live because they made that exact joke <laughs> when they did their music video parody. <laughs> that is... I don't take that as an insult, but that should be an insult to them. That on the spot, <laughs> I came up with the exact same joke they put on their very popular television program. Miracles each and everywhere you look, and nobody has to stay where they're put. This world is yours for you to explore. It's nothing but miracles beyond your door. The dark carnival is your invitation to witness that without explanation. Take a look at this fine creation and enjoy it better with appreciation. I mean... I know that they had like a flow going there with the, the shuns, but they're it, just kind of like, they're just flicking through a dictionary and they're just running out of shuns. I bought this car before tax time for depreciation. Yep, that'll do. <laughs> Whack it in. Crows, ghosts, the midnight coast. The wonders of the world, mysteries the most. Just open your mind and it ain't no way to ignore the miracles of every day. And that's for real. That is for real. I actually, you know what? Fuck, man. I've misjudged the Insane Clown Posse. I think that if if the point of that song is that things seem without explanation and you should think that they're miracles, then I think there is some something in that. But the bigger point that I'd like to say to the Insane Clown Posse is that <laughs> most of those things can be quite easily explained. And if you're just willing to do a little bit of reading, you'd still find there's some leftover miracles. 
you, you don't need to identify things that have explanations as examples of your miracles because it undervalues and undermines the point that some things do feel like miracles. Uh, well, let's get to some uh, to fop respondents. If you want to contact us, you can go to our brand new website. And while you're there, you might want to check out some of our other great shows like Two Guys, One Cup, which is like this, but with some AFL chat. There's uh, Willosophy, which is Will's highbrow chat show. Who's on this week, Will? Uh, so last Friday, Claire Bowditch. So uh, definitely a, an episode, a catch-up episode with Claire. And she speaks about, um, you know, her mother dying in the middle of, uh, you know, the global pandemic and how difficult that was. It's... Um, I, I, I tell people that because it comes a bit out of the blue. And if anybody has gone through a loss during this time, I just didn't want them to, you know, have a sucker punch in the middle of a podcast when they weren't prepared for it. And then on Monday, a bit of a refresher, um, I put out an episode with Dave Lawson, the Australian oh. comedic actor, Dave Lawson, and his perspective on life and, you know, the life that he lives and where he fits into the entertainment industry is... A really cool listen. And this Friday, um, uh, Charlie Pickering is back. It's been five years since Charlie Pickering was on Philosophy, but uh, Pico is back for a, uh, a, a, an episode. Your old housemate, Charlie Pickering. My old housemate. Did not yep. come up. Did not come up, uh, the fact that you guys used to live together. But uh, uh, I think, my old, when, did you spe- when did you speak to him? Uh, I think he's mad at me. Is he mad at you? Why? I think we I think we had a Twitter beef <laughs> because he uh, he was posting photos. I think he must be renovating his place or something. And he posted photos of like a bird, and he like very uh, Charlie wrote some kind of like description of the bird underneath. And I just couldn't resist, so I just wrote "nerd" <laughs> all in capitals, <laughs> like "nerd." And then like uh, Dave got on board and read, and, and I think Charlie felt like unduly uh, harassed. He then lashed out with a reference to uh, uh, our podcast, our two-bit podcast, where we talk about Kathy David, Kathy Bates and her sex toys, <laughs> something like that. Kathy Bates did come up in the episode, that episode oh, of right. Tofop. So he's still which seething. gives me a real indication about where Charlie stopped listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he stopped right where we tell people to keep going. Whatever you do, don't stop. Well, Just push through. He's the classic they... example. If you only listen to the episodes up till then, you'll quit like Charlie Pickering did. He's a big fat quitter, but he's on uh, philosophy this Friday. And if you want to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash tofop. We've just, uh, by the time you listen to this, there'll be a, a new bonus episode up. We put up a new, uh, we put up a bonus episode every couple of weeks. Was t- so there's 10 episodes. If you haven't signed up to Patreon yet and you want some extra bonus po- uh, podcast content, you can go listen to all our bonus episodes on Patreon and also check out Quantum Cop. Uh, everyone relax. There's a bunch of uh, videos and behind the scenes photos and, and great stuff for you to check out. So a little motivation to support. And people have been supporting the show, Will. That's the other thing. We should just stop and say thank you. We keep getting subscribers every day and uh, it's actually really, really helpful, especially during this time when I know it's really hard for everyone. So thank you very much. And yeah, and in the numbers of people listening, obviously people are recommending the show to their friends. So thank you to everybody who's recommending it to somebody and welcome to all the new listeners as well. Start with the new episodes, work your way backwards, stop when you feel uncomfortable. (laughs) This is from Joel. Hey, Will and Charlie. I love all the pods and I just signed up to be a patron. A patron. Thank you so much for all your distractions in this year in particular. Listening to TOEFOP 308, the whole discussion of the Coffin Confessor, I was imagining a Russell Crowe character that we have already seen. And I was half expecting you to make the same connection. Jackson Healy in The Nice Guys. 
This little gem of a film sees Crow play Healy, a private eye in the 70s without much of a moral compass. compass. The Coffin Confessor premise seems perfect for a sequel, especially being set in the 70s before the internet, when private lives were much more private. The action comedy tone would fit it perfectly, and I can already see Ryan Gosling's character, March, shaking his head as he quite unenthusiastically gets involved in the new business. Anyway, that's my input into your discussion that wasn't, that wasn't asked for. My main takeaway, if you haven't seen The Nice Guys, get on it. Thanks again. All the best, Joel. Have you seen The Nice Guys? I did see The Nice Guys and I enjoyed it, but I have not rewatched it. I I would like to revisit it because I don't have a heap. All my memory of that movie is that I quite liked it, but I don't have a lot of other memory of the movie. And I don't know if you're going to believe this, Will, but our very next email is also about The Nice Guys. (laughs) Or at least a mention of the nice guys. Was it on recently? Was it on TV or something? Why is everyone bringing up the nice guys? Uh, well, maybe it was just that this character was so much like one of our listeners, by the way, Russell Crowe related news. I've got a couple of Russell Crowe related news bits. Firstly, I've got a video, which I don't know if you've seen or not, that was sent to me by one of uh, our listeners. And it's a work cover style training video that Russell Crowe made as a young actor. And oh, I it, seen it is. It's something that we need. Next time we're in the same place, I'm in Sydney for some Gruen stuff and we'll do an episode we're in the same place and we'll watch it and then we'll talk about it because I've watched it now four times and it's like 17 minutes or something and it's so good. Why don't we do- It's going to be a whole episode of content for us. Well- Let's do that. That's, that sounds like a good Patreon. Let's do this as a Patreon episode and we'll release it into the stream a bit later, but you can get it early on Patreon. Let's incentivize the audience. Okay, that's a good idea. Who are Why you? And what have you done with Charlie? Uh, this uh, sorry, the other thing I was going to say, oh, Russell Crowe related, was that one of our listeners this week got a sincere oh. one heart at a time. Amazing. So paid Russell Crowe a compliment about one of his films and got a sincere one heart at a time. And two worlds collided in a beautiful four words. You left out the best Five part. Words. The film he was one hearting at a time was Romper Stomper. <laughs> one heart at a time. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Neo Nazi, whatever. Uh, Geo Ahoy fellas I stumbled on your podcast Two Guys One Cup Midway through last year And started listening to Tofop Around three months ago And I've listened to 206 episodes in that time And for most of that time I thought Tofop stood for Two Old Fucks on Pot (laughs) That comes up a lot Until you mentioned it While talking about Russell Crowe's band Speaking of Russell Crowe I was wondering if you guys Had seen the movie he did with Ryan Gosling The Nice Guys if so, what did you think of it? As it's personally one of the funniest movies I've seen. I reckon maybe Russell Crowe's publicist has opened a few email accounts. You know, it's just followed the rabbit hole. We've talked about him enough that, you know, someone, one of his media man- social media managers might have picked up on it. It's like, well, DVD sales of the nice guys are a bit slow. <laughs> Why don't you see if you can get these guys to talk about it? I'm very happy for us to also watch The Nice Guys and put that up as a Patreon bonus episode and then we can release it into the stream later. That's how much I liked your idea, Charlie. I've I've gone for double or nothing. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, rem- I remember liking it, but I could not tell you what it was about. It's a Shane Black film, right? It's got that Shane Black kiss, kiss, bang, bang kind of vibe. It's like, you know, ho- uh, action comedy. I don't, I, I don't know if it is or not, but it's... Yeah, it's it, and yeah. sort of noirish, yeah. is it? Or something? Pretty good film. <laughs> I remember liking it. I remember thinking yeah, it was me a good too, film. But I, I don't know why. I have absolutely no memory that, that I, any of the fucking plot details. Um, thank you for all the laughs and thank you for replacing most of the other podcasts I listen to. Wow, how about that? We usurped podcasts. Yeah, take that other podcast. 
I will sign up to the Patreon as soon as I can because I can't afford it right now because I'm an apprentice boilermaker welder. Cheers. And uh, then he spells out his full name and says, when I sign up to the Patreon, I'll pay an extra $10 a month on top if you can pronounce my full name properly. Bye. <clears throat> Giovanni Candido Giannati. I'm saying that that is how to pronounce your name. Giovanni Candido Giannati. It's either Giannati or Giannati. I'm going to say Giovanni Candido. I'm not seeing it, so I'm just going off what you said. And I'm <laughs> yeah. going to say Giamatti. <laughs> no, it's not Paul Giamatti. <laughs> it's Paul Giamatti. Uh, this is from Finn. Two Colin Fop, hi, Will and Charlie. I'm a long-time listener since about episode 200. That's a good place to start. I reckon that's, that's where we really matured, you know. <laughs> It's 100 episodes. You've got 100, 109 good episodes to listen to. Uh, 200. Episode 200, you started listening. Uh, this is my first time writing. I saw this article on the ABC News, and while I know you don't get a lot of content, and while I know you don't get a lot of content from there, it reminded me of a recent parking ticket episode of yours. I don't expect you to read the whole article, but here are the highlights. Melbourne City Council has agreed to refund more than 1,000 unfair parking fines because of an app drivers found confusing. Ms. Glass estimated that more than 1,200 drivers were fined $83 each after they had parked illegally but confused the letter O with the, num with the number zero when entering their details into the Pay Stay app. Here's a quote. The council knew the number zero and the letter O were virtually indistinguishable on registration plates and drivers would not be aware that they had made an error, Ms. Glass said. She said there was a mindset within senior managers in the parking branch that the customer is usually wrong and drivers must be punished for their infractions, no matter how small or how great the mitigation. I look forward to hearing your thoughts about this in episode 330 or never. <laughs> Thanks for the laughs, Finn. Uh, interesting. I mean, pretty, I've pretty got a obvious. I've got a parking-related question. I got yep. a ticket the other day. Oh. I got a parking ticket. And here's what happened. And so I'm just going to tell you the facts, and you let me know what you think. Right. The yeah the scenario is here that I like should I pursue it or is this my fault and I just have to wear it. Yeah. So I was going to a meeting. It was there's a lot of different parking machines these days and the ones that I've been using a lot lately and again this is not an excuse this is just to set the scene have been ones where you key in your number plate and you use the credit card and um and, you know, there's no ticket. It's just like in the computer, you know, that you've parked in, you know, what's, you know, what car you are. Yeah. But this was not one of those. This was one of those ones where you have to plug in how much time it is and then it prints out a ticket that you put on your dashboard. So I still pay with my credit card and I paid for the ticket for as long as I was meant to pay for the ticket. But in being distracted or just like, you know, thinking about what it is. I have obviously forgotten to take the piece of paper out of, the, out of the parking machine, the ticket, and put it on my dashboard. So what I do have is a record of paying the 10 bucks or whatever it is at that parking machine on my credit card at that exact time that I could say, hey, you know, do, do I have any case to plead or is this just because I haven't done what is required of me, put the ticket on the dashboard, it doesn't fucking matter that I actually technically paid for the parking. I think that you haven't done anything wrong, but by the letter of the law, that is exactly their argument, is that the agreement when you park here is to clearly display your parking ticket on your dashboard. 
And even though you, because I think I've even had this happen to but me. But they've before. got that. But they got my parking money. Yeah, but that's like not they, the, it's in their bank account. That's not right? the agreement. So the agreement is that so, you pu- so purchase. I'm a ticket. giving them money to park in that place. I'm not buying a fucking ticket because some machines don't even give you a ticket. Mm. The ticket isn't part of the process that you're paying for, right? Yes, but. I mean, I know it's hard for them to identify the... But would I not have a case of going, no, I did pay. Like, I paid for the entire thing. Yeah, I made a mistake. But, like, you can see in your records that I actually attempted... Like, I not only attempted to pay, because I'm not going to have to just pay the fine. I've already paid for the fucking parking. Should I at say, least get the money I paid for the parking off the fine that I'm going to pay? Does it say on your credit card the exact time that you made the purchase or does it just give you the day? I bet you could find out the exact time that you made the purchase, right? On a machine like that, surely. Maybe not. I don't know. Mm, I, I don't know. Because I would argue that uh, you saw the ticket being written and you ran down and you purchased it to to create this idea and then make this complaint. So unless you can actually show me proof, Mr. Anderson, that at the exact time that you say you bought the ticket, you did buy the ticket, we're going to have to assume you're trying to deceive us and it will not stand. Okay, I understand that. Um if I could identify the time, if that is your argument and we can identify the time and clearly there's a, I know that there was a substantial gap between when the ticket was issued and when I paid for the fine. So the, on the records of when they gave me that ticket versus when I paid for the parking, because I went to a little coffee shop, got a coffee and then walked back past my car and there was no like, you know, parking ticket or parking inspecting officer. So there's got to be at least a 20 minute gap probably between minimum between when I bought the ticket and when the ticket was issued to me. So if you could identify the time, do I have a case? I'll stop the role play for a second just to be Charlie again and say, I reckon you definitely have a case, but I think that they will just stick to their guns of saying the agreement is you buy a ticket, you display it. If you don't fulfill your end of the agreement, you forfeit your right to park here and we will fine you. If you have an issue, you can take it to a court. That's where they would they would threaten. They'd make it so expensive or inconvenient for you to challenge that you'd just pay the fine. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just going to pay the fine. Like it feels yeah. too complicated <laughs> to even just call them and try oh, to. I don't know, man. Scenario, I, I, but I, I've con- I've contested parking tickets even when I'm in the wrong, just for the kind of mental like exercise. I like to kind of get into, you know, a bit of a sort of email exchange, and I, I once like parked clearly half my ass hanging out into a no standing zone but then went down and took photos of my car trying to like use false perspective and stuff <laughs> to say how outrageous and you know you it was a tripod uh, you're shooting from like 500 meters down the road yeah it just becomes some kind of like i don't know some kind of culture war with me it's like fuck you man like you can't tell me what to do Fuck you, man. I'm, you're the man. I'm the real man on the street. You're the man, man, but I'm the real man. I'm a working class man, man. Yeah, but then you're going to lose. So basically you're subjecting yeah. yourself to a show of like your manliness where you will be overpowered by this corporation. I would rather avoid the fight in the first place. Like he's a hundred bucks so I don't have to go through this pantomime. I don't give a fuck, bro. I don't even fucking pay for cigarettes, bro. I just fucking walk in and walk out. <laughs> Easy as. Watch this. I mean, oh, that really, I'll that be back earlier story minutes. was actually about you. Yeah. Backpackers. Um, all right, that'll do uh, for this week yep. because uh, I have been up since 3 a.m. with a, a baby that yes. loves to party. It used to be you that loved to party. Now it's my baby <laughs> that I'm hanging out with all night. <laughs> um, okay, uh, we plugged everything we need to plug. We did the shows. We did Patreon. Okay, that's great. 
Good night. I'm tired. I'm Charlie Clawson. <laughs> I'm Will Anderson. How long? Not long. Everyone relax. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's up to you.